2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Shravan. We've got Taran here with us.
1: You heard me talking through the intro. That was me.
2: Yes, he pressed the wrong button accidentally. No, I pressed the
1: right button, but I didn't realize I pressed it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so usually I'm in, I'm in charge of the console. Today we've got Taran in charge of the console. So you might hear the sound effects come through as well mm-hmm. in this one. Yes, very, a very uh, apt sound effect for this episode. <laughs> that was cool. That was so cool. <laughs> So we're joined by a special guest, Basker. So he's been on the podcast before, a couple of uh, quite a few episodes actually, Captain Marvel, Mandalorian. But uh, the reason we got him back for this particular episode is because we had him for the first episode we ever did on a Conjuring Universe movie, which was The Nun. So you can go back, that was back in 2018, Twenty eighteen wow. a while ago. So um, yeah, you can go back and listen to that episode, it was quite an entertaining one. But welcome back, Basker.
3: Thank you for having me. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good good journey and uh for the conjuring universe the nun that was like I still listen to it now it's funny as hell yes, so yes. Uh, hoping we can we can deliver on that but uh, yeah it was
2: one of the most anticlimactic movies that we've ever reviewed cuz we were quite looking forward to that movie and it didn't live up to our expectations. And
3: I, I remember <laughs> I, I was actually kind of lifting the film up, saying, "Hey, it's not that bad. Go and watch it. You know, <laughs> take someone who's scared as shit next to you and <laughs> jumps all the jump scares, and that'll enhance <laughs> the film." But yeah, I think that's what kind of brought it
2: up. So, Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. If you haven't already figured it out. So I'll give you a bit of background on the movie and we'll jump into, we'll talk a little bit about the Conjuring universe itself and then we'll jump into our thoughts on the movie. And as usual, we'll do non-spoilers first and then we'll jump into spoilers after that. So The Conjuring Devil Made Me Do It. This one is not directed by James Wan. First two were. Uh, James Wan is a story writing credit for this particular one. This is directed by Michael Chaves. So he previously directed another movie which was in The Conjuring universe, The Curse of La Llorona. Or the Curse of the Weeping Lady, I think it was called in some countries as well. I have seen that one. I think we did talk about that one in one of our other episodes. I thought it was actually okay. Not like an amazing horror movie, but it was fine. He's in charge of this one, and we can talk about where it differs from the first two in terms of direction when we get into the movie. Apart from that, obviously, uh, the Warrens are back. So Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Uh, headline the cast and then we've got some cast members that have joined just for this movie uh, around the case that they're investigating which is the the famous devil made me do it case which was famous i actually didn't know it was that famous until i started doing some research on it and it is quite a a prominent case in terms of budget so i always ask this question (laughs) how much do you think it was in terms of budget
1: you can ask you can answer this (laughs)
2: basket i
3: um do you know what the budget was for the other films? Yeah, I, I would definitely say the budget for this film. I would be surprised if it's not the lowest, purely based on setting, 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 yeah. and some of the uh, the techniques used in film. A lot of it was indoors, indoor filming uh, compared to the first one. Was a lot of outdoor shots. A lot of uh, second one was the majority of it was outdoor shots. Uh, even though it looked like it was in a sound set. And I think even just production quality wise, I reckon that none probably had the most expensive one because they had to film it in an actual. Like a monastery, whereas this was fairly self contained. I, I I'd say maybe 50 million.
2: Yeah. So this one was about 39 million. 39, so yeah. it, it is, it's actually a little bit more than Conjuring 1. So Conjuring 1 was 20 million. Oh, no way. And Conjuring 2, which I think you, oh, it's actually similar to Conjuring 2. So Conjuring 2 was 40 million. Okay. I think, in terms of, I think you're right, but in terms of the way the film looks, I thought Conjuring two looked like a more expensive film, just the way they shot it. Maybe it just looked more expensive than this one. The Nun, let's have a look at how much that was. So the Nun was twenty two million in terms of budget. Damn. Yeah. So they're That's not pretty good. they're not like massive budget movies. They're, they're still bigger budget movies than most horror movies, though, because most horror movies tend to be quite low budget. Uh, so they, they tend to put. I think this particular franchise tends to invest a bit more. To make them look better, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and what
3: would be the more expensive component? You would you think like CGI or do you think actual casting, production, set design would cost
2: more?
1: Probably. Uh, probably set design. Probably
2: set design. I, yeah.
3: I don't
1: think there's a whole lot of CGI in this. There is some CGI, but yeah, yeah. I would say mostly set design.
3: I'd say so. I think yeah. a lot of it was used to augment and kind yeah. of make just final touches. The polish was there. The polish was definitely there. It just didn't seem nearly as uh I could say as as dramatic.
1: It was much more polished than um the none. I think the nun did
2: have probably more CGI than the other the other movies, but it, like all in all, they're all pretty good in terms of production values though, I would say. Even the nun was pretty mm. decent production. Not yeah. as good as this though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. In, yeah. Just in terms of how it looks, yes. Okay. Uh box office wise. So obviously this is a this is a hybrid release. So similar to all the other Warner Brothers releases this year, it's coming out on HBO Max in the United States and in the cinemas wherever it can release in cinemas. Which is another reason why we're reviewing it this week and not last week because we couldn't actually go to the cinemas last week. So in terms of box office, so far it's made seventy one million, which is actually quite good for pandemic levels. So it's uh, I think it's a it's a sign that maybe the box office is recovering after this pandemic because uh, quiet place part 2 has done reasonably well godzilla vs kong did pretty well yeah godzilla vs uh,
3: kong was the best pandemic film and then i think uh, quiet place 2 came in at 100 million now yeah as of this week which is the highest grossing pandemic film is getting better
2: which yeah. is a good it's a good sign so-, so and this has done 71 million so far so this might get to 100 eventually as well in comparison to the other one, so it's probably not a valid comparison because obviously we're in a pandemic now, and when the other two movies came out, we weren't. But the first Conjuring movie made three hundred nineteen million, and the second Conjuring movie made three hundred twenty-one million. So they made similar similar amounts. The Nun made three hundred sixty-five million. So it actually, I think it's actually the highest-grossing uh, Conjuring. Oh, the Nun, really? Okay. film? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. And we can talk about that later. <laughs> We can quickly go through the Conjuring timeline. So I think we, we went through it in quite a bit of detail in The Nun episode. We won't go through it in, in as much detail in this episode. But I think the first official movie in in terms of the timeline is actually parts of The Nun. There, there's a sequence in The Nun, which is I think it's the earliest earliest situation that happens in this whole universe. But then in terms of the movies themselves, it is 1952. Is when the nun occurs. So the events of the nun, but there's a sequence in there that happens much before that. Annabelle creation is 1955. Annabelle is 1967. The Conjuring, the first Conjuring, is 1971, and then Annabelle comes home is 1972, and then the Curse of La Llorona, which I think initially wasn't meant to be part of this universe, but then they've kind of rolled it in. Like it, it sounds, it looks like it was like a last minute thing doesn't matter it's sort of it's its own story but i guess it fits in the universe anyway it's uh 1973 for that one conjuring 2 was the second last one 1977 and then this is the the sort of in terms of the timeline it's the last movie so 1981 is the con- is conjuring the devil made me do it
3: 10 years chronologically after the very first
2: so how old were the warrens in the first conjuring like Late 30s? late thirties, late thirties, early forties, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yep. Yeah. yeah.
3: If they were if they were teenagers in the fifties, then this would be twenty years after that. So I'm guessing, yeah, they'll be late thirties. Yeah, yeah. So this would be like forties, early fifties.
2: We can get into the story because that sort of plays a part. Because uh, in this Ed Warren has some health issues, hmm. which they make very clear in the very first sequence of the movie, and then that sort of plays a part throughout the whole movie. We can get into the story, so as we usually do, and you did a great job. I, I recently listened to our non-episode, and you did a great job explaining the, the synopsis for that movie. So what was the story of this one? <laughs>
3: I've, I've, I've become a fan of those like uh, one-sentence summary things. Like <laughs> yes. Star Wars is like, you know, Space Frog convinces kids like to the, kill his dad. Like, yeah,
1: like a poorly explained <laughs> one. Explained. Explained well, I want to I try to do one of those. Do a poorly explained one for this, yeah.
3: Dude kills a man and blames it on the devil.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's poorly explained. That's like that's that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty apt. Yeah, that's that's,
3: so that's the true events that is by the actual story. Obviously, this one is a bit more is a bit more detailed. Starts off with a boy. Starts off with a boy in the family, David Gladsole. He and his family are in a a house. He's got a sister, Debbie. His sister's in love with a with a boy called Arnie Johnson. So the boy gets essentially he gets uh, possessed by. A demon, demons. Exorcisms are run through. The Warrens get involved. They try and call the priest. And the, essentially the movie goes on. The exorcism becomes like an actual story starter. What happens thereon is that Arnie Johnson gets involved and he actually becomes the new kind of candidate vessel slash possessed, possessee. The story revolves around Arnie Johnson or have, being possessed and as a result murdering someone in the movie and then using that as a defense to actually plead in court the funny thing is that the court proceedings do not take majority of the film that's actually just an aspect a tiny aspect of it
2: yeah it's like literally was like two scenes wasn't it yeah. it was not yeah. much at all yeah. Yeah. and I
3: feel like that was a conscious choice to drift, move away from the courtroom drama yeah, make it yeah. more about the Warrens so this film is actually not about Arnie Johnson or the boy it's actually about the Warrens if you think about, yeah, a little bit more their, about their the case and, and how they kind of uh, go about it so it's, it's probably yeah. good
1: pulling away from the other story a bit more because it's a pretty dicey story to begin with. If you delve into the realism of it, yeah, yeah, I think it was a yeah. smart
3: choice. So uh, that was a very poor summary, but I think it's just a, it's a starting point. Starting point. <laughs> it's again. still
2: better than any summaries that we normally do. No, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you guys are too hard on yourselves. So Okay, so we can get into our thoughts on it. So positives and negatives. This is all non spoiler so if you haven't seen the movie, you can keep listening and then we'll jump into spoilers after that. So we can start with positives. I'll start with mine. I thought the one big positive, and this is going to be positive for everyone, I guess, is Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as the Warrens. I think they... Uh, they elevate these movies to a, I think, another level. A lot of people just watch, even people that don't really like horror movies, they watch these movies because they like these two actors and they're pairing as the Warrens in these movies. So, uh, I think that's a big positive. And as you said, they're more prominent in this movie than they were even in the other two Conjuring movies. It's a lot more about them than, than the actual case itself in, in some, uh, in some ways. So I thought they were really good. I'll pass it around. I don't want to go with all the positives by myself. So any, any positives from you? So
3: I, I this was the first Conjuring film where I actually wanted to research about the case beforehand. The first Conjuring, Harrisville, and the second Conjuring, uh, Amityville. I, I just kind of went in there kind of sort of knowing these things but not really researching what actually happened. This is the one, the one that I actually went and actually researched what happened. And to my surprise, they did weave in a lot of the detail of real-life events. Sure, they left out some of the more kind of, gritty, important details or the or the, or the more kind of um, the details that would kind of make you break the fourth wall, and make you think, oh, okay, that's not mysterious at all. They, they left that out, obviously. But a lot of the details they did pay attention to. It's good to see that, oh, they wove that in there, they wove this in there, the initial contact, the stories of how it transferred from the boy to Arnie, that was actually pretty accurate to what, what actually happened during the, right. um, during the exorcism when Ed and, Ed and Warren, Lorraine Warren were actually there. Another positive I'd like to say is that the filmmaking is actually a callback to James Wan's very kind of slow burn horror take, like taking his time, the shots, the the build up. The obviously, there's the hallmark of this series is that there's no, there's no reliance on cheap scares. They kind of build up the tension, and they, I think they honored that in this film.
1: It's it's less jump scary than other movies. Yeah, yeah. There still is the odd jump scare though. But it seems well earned rather than just being yes, that's a jump I scare. Yeah.
3: It's like the, the 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 audience was brought on to a point where the tension is brought, it's past, so now we are we are kind of ready for the for the jump scare. It's not mm. so much like a, a rude awakening. Also mm. like all right, you
2: guys know it's coming, here it is.
1: And it's not a fake jump scare either where they fake it out with nothing and they keep doing that and then they put in a real scare somewhere.
2: And I think the situations that characters are put in, in this movie. When the jump scares do come, they seem justified at least. Hmm. Because in the other movies, they just walk into these situations, like Hmm. for no reason at all. Like it's just set up so that that there is a scare at the end. Whereas it seems like it's meant to be part of the story, at least in this one.
1: Yeah. Mostly. It's a bit more well earned. The sound design's quite good, as they are in all these movies. I think that leads to the scares being scarier. If you take the sound away, it's probably not as scary. So, yeah, that's a big part of all horror movies. I
3: I think. Part of the tension building exercise is ensuring that your sound design is not deceiving. It's actually it leads it leads on. And it doesn't like precede the scene as well. Mm. So a lot of the scenes with Varya Amiga like doing her skate face or just kind of in, in the atmosphere or in a new vision or something like they really pull that off well. It kind of reminds me of this Asian horror film Cairo, and there's a wonderful YouTuber who does a scene saying it's the scariest scene in film for him, but you watch it. It's not actually jump scary it's not gory it's just the tension that builds up from a static shot and they did a little, they kind of did a lot of that careful sound design uh, that complemented
2: the photography and cinematography
3: in this so it's good if, if you actually sit down and pay attention to the james wan's works it's nice it's good to see that
2: stuff if there's no other positives we can jump into negatives i've got a couple i guess when you compare it to the first two conjuring movies it is still the the inferior one and i guess one of the main reasons for that is james Wan. He's a, he's a very masterful filmmaker. Like it's, it's, maybe it's unfair to even, uh, compare this director to James Wan because he's, he's proven himself to be pretty good with multiple genres, not just horror. Uh, he's made Aquaman, for example. Yeah. Uh, he's made, he made a Fast and Furious movie, didn't he? Yeah. So he's done everything and he's done everything reasonably well. I think the, the main thing that was sort of missing in this one is it jumps straight into the, into the midst of the case. Everything that revolves around this case, it, it jumps straight in. Uh, the first scene itself is is within this case, and um, fr- this this could be a positive or a negative. But from the get go, you're you're just in this story, and you don't really have that much time to uh, relate to the characters. I guess, like you already know the Warrens, so you're going to relate to them anyway. But the the actual people that are a part of this case, you don't spend that much time with them. You spend a bit, and then the the movie just moves away from the case for some time as well. Like you you go on this detour for a bit and do something else, and then you come back at the end. And sort of, there's a lot happening afterwards. So it's not, this movie isn't just about the devil made me do It case. That's kind of just one part of it, I would say. So they don't concentrate as much on the case itself. Whereas in the other ones, it was much more revolving around a family. So in the first ones, it was the, in the first one, it was the Perons, is it? The one that moved, the the family that moved into the Batsheba's House? Yep, the uh,
3: house. Um, yeah, not yeah. the family
2: name. I think that there's a small Easter egg to them in this one because someone sends Ed flowers and they're like, oh, this is from... Some, oh, yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah yep. I think it was from them. And then the second one also re- revolves around the family in, in Enfield. I felt like the other two, you build much more of a relationship with the family themselves, so you kind of feel the scares a bit more because they're more helpless than the Warrens. The Warrens have done this stuff before, so... There's there's less of a feeling of helplessness um, in and this because, one
1: because oh well most people know that the warren survived until relatively recently so it takes away some of the tension I guess that you know they're not going to die
2: that's right yeah unless yeah.
1: they unless they change the story which they can but you know for the most part you know they're not going to die
2: like the the whole source of what was meant to be the whole source of tension in this movie is because ed's a bit more vulnerable because he has a heart attack in the first scene of the movie and he's obviously got some health issues and uh, lorraine has to take up but pick up more of the weight but you as you said you know that they both survive like lorraine only died like two years ago and ed died in six. so yeah. so you know they both survive. So. Kind of that tent. If you know the backstory, people might not even know these people. People they might, might just- not know the
1: backstory. Yeah. Though, and for them, the tension will still be there. It might be there. Yeah.
2: Uh, they might just go into this movie. They might not have even seen the previous two movies and they went into this movie and maybe the tension. It
3: still all
1: makes sense. It'll yeah. all just, this- yeah. For someone
3: like me who has a lot of research, I didn't actually know exactly when Ed Warren passed away. So I thought, oh, I could have been in the 80s. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah it could have been. been the- could have yeah. been in the 90s. So. For me, that, that, that was an interesting choice for them to use that as a, as a stake-building exercise mm. to kind of say, well, he could, he could
2: go, you don't know. But overall, I felt it was fine. It's still, it's, it's just not as good as the first two in terms of the emotional connection you have with the characters, but it's mm. still,
1: I still had a good time with it. In the back of my mind, I told you guys after I came, to, came out of the movie, the problem I had with this is, in the back of my mind, I knew it was a, a based on true events and I knew this guy murdered someone Oh, not well. the The story behind it, we don't need to go into. But he did kill someone, and he's painted as a sympathetic character in this. And I just couldn't get that out of my head. And I am like, he's meant to be like the main character. You are meant to feel for him, but also this guy in real life killed someone. And I don't believe in devils, so I don't think a devil made him do it. But yeah, I think that took me out of it a little bit. That's I really, know. If, yeah, that's
3: really interesting to say that yeah. because it's like up until this point. We were like, oh, so uh, like, a, like a demon from the witch hunting trials takes the, goes into a mum and terrorizes the family. It's like, that's actually, we can, we were we kind of immersed in that story. I'm okay right? with that. Yeah. And it's like, it yeah. kind of takes you away. Whereas this story is a little bit fourth wall breaking because it involves like, oh, the judicial system, the courts of law. And, and, and there's a little
2: bit more reality around it, which makes the actual story un- unbelievable. Correct. In, in it, a sense. It takes yeah. you away. That's actually yeah. a really
3: good point. I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah. that's, that's kind of the. Same thing that I was feeling,
4: yeah.
1: But the other ones are more contained. It's not like they're in a house, it's a haunting in the house. I don't believe it still, but at least it's contained to that house. No one was hurt or anything and no one was going to jail because of it. Yeah, but in this yeah. one, it's a it's a different scenario where the main character, you're meant to feel for him, but in real life, he was he killed someone. Yeah.
3: Yeah. When, when yeah. it's when it's connected to such, a, such a, like a real life figure, it's it's difficult to separate yourself from mm-hmm. that and just immerse yourself in a film experience and go,
1: yeah. Oh, maybe
3: this happened. Yeah. It, yeah. That's that's hard but
1: to 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 compare it to something else. There was a movie called um, uh, what was it called? I think it's like the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson or something. And it's about OJ Simpson's wife's murder, but it is painted as a haunting story. Oh gosh. So it's it's kinda it's kinda got shades of that in terms of someone killed this lady and it was a murder it wasn't a haunting and similar to this this guy killed someone it was it was a murder it wasn't a devil possession so it takes you out of the movie when it's kinda real and like people got hurt doing this it's kinda like glorifying the violence almost
3: almost or, you, or yeah. if you think about the victim's family it's like well yeah. how do they perceive this film
1: yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and yeah. i don't know if the guy who dies in this has family alive or anything but I assume they wouldn't perceive it that well. <laughs> if if that, yeah, if they did. That, yeah. yeah, that that's yeah. interesting. It's an interesting yeah. conversation, you know. Especially
2: because this is such a it's such a commercial movie as well. Like it's like this horror franchise yeah, and it's Warner Brothers is like yeah it's it's it's, it's not it's, like an indie film or something it's like a it's there to make money it's and, essentially and, and the names yeah. are like unchanged
4: yeah yeah,
3: yeah the names are exactly as yep, is
1: yeah
2: <laughs> like down to
3: the letter it's not like john doe or something based no. on what yeah. they do normally with the films is they change the names around that's what i've
1: at least that disconnects you from it to a certain extent but yeah. this is yeah this is real people
3: so yeah. I, I think part of the reason why which we'll go into later is because there were so many media adaptations of this event this was not the first. There was yeah. a book written. There was a TV show made off the book. And then there was a movie made off the TV series. And it's just like all that got completely blown out of proportion. So I think it's like become an urban legend to a point where it's like, oh, yeah, movies being made about this. Maybe it's us, you know, US urban legends become popular. Maybe it's like, yeah, they they
2: talk about it that way. And I guess because Ed and Lorraine Warren were connected to this, it was eventually going to be made into a, a Conjuring movie cause, because they were a part of it so yeah, yeah.
3: I, I did hear there was a lawsuit against the Warrens and Warner Brothers from ma- from making any further Conjuring films uh, which may have contributed to the naming choice of not calling not it Conjuring, Conjuring 3, 3 yeah but I know that the people putting that forward were not family of the victim but family of David that's the kid um, the relative step I think it's either stepbrother or a cousin I can't remember which one but he basically so Debbie's
2: them. brother, Debbie, yeah. who's the wife
3: of yeah, yeah. Debbie's brother's uh, relative, either step step sibling or step cousin, who who took care of him and, just, and basically just said it it wasn't a haunting. It was you know a mental mm. illness that wasn't diagnosed properly and all that kind of stuff. But
1: but yeah, for, like that kind of yeah. stuff takes you out of it, doesn't it?
3: But for, for me, the that was a conscious process. I actually went into this researching everything I could beforehand, and I think I'm glad I did because the negatives for me actually weren't anything to do with the realism of the film. Thankfully, for me, the negatives of the film was mostly to do with the just the, the pacing. Like when you think about conjuring film, what is the pinnacle or the 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 kind of the the final act, the pierce the resistance of a conjuring film? It's the exorcism, right? It's that moment where you, like you have the final powers clashing and then the dude ripping the demon out, and that's it. Everyone's happy. That's the first conjuring film. It builds you up, and it's like in this one, it kind of jumps straight in. Yeah, and- well, it
2: jumps. In within Exorcism. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, I,
3: and I honestly felt that the, that was actually one of the, that was probably the best moment in the film, like that, that whole intro sequence for me. And then the pace just dropped right off of the rest of the film. Cause it was then going on to, oh, what caused this? As opposed to saying, oh, how do we resolve? Oh, what caused this? And how do we finally chase the tail end of it? But that initial scene for me was like, oh, that's awesome. But it's a bit soon. I was expecting a more, a bit more of a build up to the story. And then following.
1: It's following almost like the a sequence. reverse conjuring film. Almost, yeah. Yes, the yes. the end is at the start. The middle is the same. The all the investigative stuff, and then the, I guess the end is something. <laughs> it's, the yes, end is, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and
3: they they tried to go with a different approach with the antagonist in
1: this. Yeah, well, the the antagonist isn't the devil as it normally is, and it's a physical person, I guess, in this one. Yeah, yeah. I think we can say it's it's
3: yeah. it's, it's not something that is as uh, supernatural. I think the, the yeah. focus now is that the sometimes what's more. Dangerous. Yeah. Is, uh- it's
1: almost like a serial killer movie esque, but yeah, it's kind of like a serial killer movie, but it's with,
2: with a bit of supernatural. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah it, it
1: yeah. could be interpreted that way.
2: Yeah, I, I would I would agree that the antagonist just when you find out who it is, it's just not as menacing as mm. uh, as it was in the other two. And I agree the the climax was nowhere near as Conjuring One had a great climax. Like it, it kind of comes to. It all comes to that same with two. I think two had a decent climax as well. And I think it also comes back to the fact that in those two movies, you're much more connected with the actual victims. In this one, you're not really like you don't spend that much time with them. Like he goes to jail and that's, that's it. You flash between, but you don't really know much about him. I mean, he's, yeah. he's meant to be a nice guy, but. Really? Like, you don't know.
3: I, I can see yeah. them. They were trying to get us to kind of sympathize with the young lover's storyline. Like, are they just getting started? They're about to start their new life. But, uh, and, and, and I could sense that from listening to like their story beforehand, of knowing the actual real life story. That's how it was marketed. These guys are just, you know, young, young people in love. Everything was fine. Something happened out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and yeah. this kid's, got his whole life ahead of him and that's like, why that's also why the no, realism
1: of the story takes you out of it because yeah, yeah. when you think about it really you're like nah i, I can't get on board with this yeah
2: i was going to say like in the in the previous two like for for example in conjuring 2 the girl that is getting you know the, the that has a demon in her she's got like issues at school like she doesn't have friends and like they kind of go into that background of her as well and then that gives her a, some sort of relationship with lorraine as well because Lorraine has that conversation with her in between where she's like, you know, I had, I had issues making friends as well and then yeah. they have that bonding moment. In this, there's nothing like that. Like, it's just, it's just this guy, supposedly a nice guy. And there's also no mystery because in the first sequence of the movie, you know that the devil is in him. He literally asked the devil to go into him. Yeah. So it's you already know that. Like, you know that's in there and there's no real investigation. Whereas in the other two... You don't really know what's happening. Like you know, the, there's something going on with the mom in the first conjuring. You know, Janet, the the second daughter, has something going on with her, but you don't really know what the reason is. Like why it's them. What's happening in the background? And you find out while the Warrens find out, essentially. But in this, in the first sequence itself, you know that there's something supernatural happening.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that was a conscious choice to make so they could move the mystery away from all these people and focus on this completely new storyline, like. That they've crafted to go on the underside, figuratively and pick and and literally. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think I, I think you're right. They tried to move away from this one storyline, just keep it to that because it's such a famous storyline. They're like, we'll do this; it's famous. But if we concentrate on it wholly, then people aren't going to get on board with this. We need to add something else to it. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's
2: yeah. just I mean. the other stuff they added probably isn't as investing.
1: Yeah, For me, anyway. But I think if they did it the other way, it still wouldn't have been as investing. So, yeah. they probably did the best they could with what they had.
3: Yeah. I, I, I If I could suggest, mm. I would have done it even more fantastically, like introduced more more supernatural elements or characters like they did mm. with Conjuring 1. They just literally filled the house with a plethora of like supernatural powers. And that made it feel overwhelming. It's like, wait a minute. It's not just one thing that's wrong with this place. It's like a whole crap ton of stuff is going on, that kind of feeling would would work well into immersing an audience while also kind of taking real-life subject matter and kind of diluting it to a point where you can be like, well, okay, we understand that they're not trying to focus on that. They're trying to focus on this whole list of shit that's going on. And they did try with a new
2: angle, uh, which is good. I think that was a missed opportunity because we were discussing this before and they could have definitely gone more fantastical because we know in the actual case itself that the – the boy had forty-two demons in him,
3: as uh, claimed by the warrants. The forty-two demons, and and that when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, if someone says they have one demon in them, right, that's pretty serious. Like they do, you know, they're convulsing, they've got you know, problems. Okay, that's fine. Forty-two, it's like, oh, that's a that's a serious number. That's like you could you could you could even show the magnitude of that in a way in a film to say it's not normal. And that's like the most intense case I've ever dealt with they did yeah, they should have capitalized on something like
4: that,
2: because then they could have done something quite yeah quite fantastical and quite big, like it wasn't just this one demon, like maybe there was multiple demons I don't know in the house, or they could have done anything, and it might have been interesting
3: Some of the stuff that Thorin was talking about, so like the real world connections, I feel like okay, they chose what to leave out and what to put in. I'm glad that they showed there was alcohol involved in the confrontation in the film. All bit subtly, but yeah. All bit subtly. Yeah, because yeah. what if when you find out what actually happens, like everyone listening to this and everyone oh when I was on the podcast, I was like just took I just leaned back and I'm like, Oh well of course that's gonna end result in a murder. So what happened was the guys actually didn't have beer, they had wine. They had thirteen glasses of wine each. Something like seven bottles each. Now that's not just drunk. That's like close to death level inebriation, and uh, apparently Arnie was an alcoholic. Like he didn't handle his alcohol as well. From the comments made in the police report, all that kind of stuff. So when you put a piece of it all together, it's explainable through completely you know logical means. You don't have to go supernatural on that. I like how they kind of showed. Yeah, okay, alcohol was involved. It's not just some sort of weird trance he went into. It was a factor. So kudos to them to actually trying, but at the same time. There's elements that would take you away from the film immediately, and it would be like, okay, this is not a mystery anymore. This is definitely – it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, co- a closed case. There's conscious decisions to make from a decision, like from a filmmaking point of view. Do you introduce that? Do you not introduce that? And I think here they wanted to make sure that the character of Arnie Johnson was so – people sympathize with that character while they kind of vilified the person he murdered in the way that just that it was shown, just so that they could get on board. And that might not be ethical in the real life because actual what there was a victim and there was someone who's still alive and someone who's not now. So it's interesting to see the kind of ethical play that mm-hmm. goes on there. Would be interesting to be in that boardroom for that
1: conference <laughs> in Warner Brothers. <laughs> I'm sure they had a lot of discussions and meetings about how to how to target this and how to do it properly. I think they did a decent job with it. But out of all the stories, it's the one I like the least. Purely based off the story.
2: Because they were actually gonna do another story for Conjuring Three, and this was back when I think James One was actually meant to direct it. It was the I think it's the werewolf in London or werewolf, it was somewhere in the UK. It was a werewolf case where a man allegedly became a werewolf. Oh nuts. It was also based off true. True facts or whatever, but uh, and and the Warrens were involved in this one. I think so. Yeah, I that's think cool. so. I've heard yeah. of that Yeah, that,
3: that sounds like a pretty cool story.
2: That's what I heard initially was going to be Conjuring Three, but obviously, maybe once he opted out of being the director, they switched to another story.
3: It does have slightly Transylvanian vibes, yes, as opposed yeah. to being more like
2: mid Midwest
3: American vibes. And that's actually that's my theory why that why the Nun did so well because the Nun was a bit more of a kind of Transylvanian European period piece. It kind of would have done really well in Europe, whereas all the other ones are American-based.
2: I think Conjuring 2 did very well, and people like that nun character, and I think there was a lot of hype behind that film as well. That's true. That is true, yeah. Yeah. So I think that also helped it. It probably would have made even more money if it was actually good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If there's nothing else, we can jump into the spoilers, but before we do that, we'll give our rating. So maybe I'll let you go first. I've got to think about this one.
1: I think it's still, yeah, it's still worth a watch. Better than most horror movies, so uh, cognitive recalibration. recalibration. Yeah, but
2: which is the name of our podcast? But it's also yeah. <laughs> a um, a positive rating you know, yeah. in our
1: in uh, our review system. Nice. But I did particularly like the story. In, if you're going in there for some scares, I think there's some decent scares in here. Not as scary as the other ones, but worth watching.
3: I think. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I would give it three out of five stars. In in the kind of general marking scheme is in the sense that it's it's a good conclusion if this is to be the last Conjuring film that features the Warrens, I'm totally happy with that. That's fine because this was arguably the last major case they did that got publicized to a point where they became you know notorious or famous however mm-hmm. you like to call it. There's obviously a lot of room for improvement in terms of if the Conjuring series is to move forward. Then the formula definitely has to be a bit more kind of vibrant, Uh, like yeah, the pacing issues and the kind of story. If you're doing like the third film, should definitely be you got to build on the two and kind of deliver beyond. This Mm. kind of was a little bit safe, a little bit restricted. So I think yeah, three out of five. uh, Still definitely go watch it if you're a Conjuring fan.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd still get a cognitive uh, cognitive recalibration as well. I think in terms of a horror movie, it's like a middle. It's not. It's not a bad horror movie. I think it's. It's probably worth watching at some stage. You watch it in the cinema. It does have some good sound effects, like we said. It's got a good atmosphere. So there's some good scares in there. So I think, yeah, overall, it is worth a watch. I think. So I'd, I'd give it a cognitive recalibration. What What are the other tiers of the of that? Oh, so it's it's a cognitive recalibration if we recommend it, and a cognitive regression if we don't recommend it. Oh, regression. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so far, we haven't had a single regression this year.
1: Except for quiet place too,
2: <laughs> which we just arbitrarily gave it, but
4: um,
3: really yeah. it's not.
2: <laughs> so, nice. no, yeah. so
3: yeah, that, that's that's actually a pretty simple system. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in, in my case, that's a cognitive recalibration. Definitely go go catch it. Make up your own. I think I'm I'm starting to embrace the idea of watch it for yourself and see what you think. Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, if you want to go into it blind, not not knowing what
2: happened, the full details, you yeah, just go watch it. Yeah, I think it might if you don't know about the case, might actually make your experience a bit better. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I actually, think yeah, if, yeah. if it
1: wasn't based off true events, it would be a better movie. Yeah, like if they actually would like change the
3: story enough so that it couldn't be... Brought immediately back into the real world, like just a yeah, you know, some random kid somewhere gets transferred. Change names. Gets transferred. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it would have been better. Conjuring
2: two was the first Conjuring Universe movie that I watched. And I didn't know anything about the case either. So I went into it completely fresh. I didn't even I didn't even know about the Warrens actually. So I just went into it just watched it as a movie. And that's probably why I enjoyed it quite a bit. When I actually did research into that case afterwards, probably it's still a good movie, but I probably don't appreciate it as much as I did the first time. Conjuring One, I think Conjuring One's a bit different. I think Conjuring One is. It does feel like it's its own thing, almost. Like it's very isolated. That particular case didn't get as much publicity as the Enfield one or this one. So it's. That one really holds up. I think that one's still one of the best um, horror movies.
3: Yeah. Jeez. I still remember the first time watching it. Like it was so. It just woke you up. Like certain scenes, it wouldn't even. You wouldn't even have to wait till the end. It was like. Ten minutes in, something would happen. You'd just be like the hell was that? And and it's was this film rated MA
2: fifteen plus? This one was yeah.
3: Okay, Conjuring was
2: you know was R eighteen. Conjuring uh, was MA fifteen and to- two was MA fifteen okay. as well. Th- yeah. This
3: felt a little bit tame.
1: I yeah. don't know why. Mm. In terms, even of- when he stabs people, they don't show the stabbing.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's just more of the weight of it. They don't actually yeah. show you. Well, they don't need to show it, but it's just like that's that's the goriest they got. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, not that I wanted to say that or anything, but yeah, the, yeah. they didn't. They didn't go to that extent. Yeah, yeah. Go, you go to the horror movies for the stabbings. <laughs> yeah, for the stabbings, That's why. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> but then you got to catch Sean Frankston.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but the first one, the first one isn't. Maybe it feels gory, but it isn't actually that gory, uh, because the first thing that happens, the first murder that happens in the in the Conjuring movie is if you see the dead dog. That's the first thing that you see. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the first thing that happens, and that's when you know something. Because the dog's warning them from the beginning in that movie, actually. The dog doesn't want to go into the house. He's, he's saying something's wrong with this place. and um, It's got yeah. the
3: trifecta. The yeah. animal's losing their shit. The, the paranormal activity level stuff, where it's like the camera's going off and you can't see anything happening. And then just the sheer unadulted exorcism at the end of it. That's the trifecta for yeah, me. Like, yeah.
2: And it's got yeah. that whole thing with the, um, yeah. you know, just using a very simple game like hide and seek, yeah. and uh, having that whole twist on it with the clap. That, that was just that's genius. That was just freaky. Yeah, I, I yeah. think
3: I remember uh, one of my friends saying when they saw that scene in the, in the theaters, like half the audience gasped when the hands came out of the closet. That's that's the kind of movie magic. you, know, you can only see it at a theater because
2: that's not that is scarier than a jump scare. Yeah. That is that is actually scary, and that will haunt you afterwards. Yes. When you look in your closet in the in the middle of the night, that that's going to haunt you. Um. There's a reason why my brother refused to see this film. <laughs>
3: a reason why, no matter how many times I've tried, he's like, "Nah, yeah. fuck that film."
2: <laughs> yeah, but so, that,
3: but that's that's a hallmark, right? That's that's yeah. the kind of if you can do if if a if an entry in the franchise can do that, there's no reason why they can't build upon that. There's you don't have to be sophisticated and, and make this nice adventure. Film, which is what Conjuring 3 is. It's a bit of a, like a investigative, uh, you know, buddy cop film. It's a
2: bit, yeah, exactly. Like. It's a bit, it becomes a bit more of a detective type film than a, yeah. than a horror film. Yeah. yeah.
3: Which is uh, yeah. It's a choice. It's not necessary. They didn't need to do that.
2: Okay. Um, we can jump Actually, I was thinking we maybe we can do a quick ranking. So um, we did it for when we did The Nun, but we can do a ranking of the Conjuring movies. Uh, I've got the list of all of them here. All of them. Yes. Even uh, the spin offs. Even the spin offs. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. Have we seen all I have seen all of them. I've I seen haven't. every one of them. No. Um have you seen Conjuring uh not Conjuring. I've obviously you've seen Conjuring one and two, but um Curse of La Your No. No,
1: I haven't seen that one.
2: But I think we I think you've seen all the other ones. Annabelle yep. Comes Home. I haven't seen
1: are. any of the Annabelles either. Ah, okay. Yep. Yeah. One
2: one of them I'll
3: recommend you watch. It's Creation, um, yeah, I think. I think Creation is the one
4: yeah. which is up there. Yeah.
1: So I've only seen these three and the none.
2: Your ranking is going to be very simple. So yeah, well, well, well I can probably yeah. already guess your ranking as yeah. well. So. it's one, one, two, three, none.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That almost that almost made uh, logical sense. <laughs> <laughs>
3: one, two, three, none. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, my, mine would be very similar. It's um, yeah, conjuring one above all. Then immediately following that, conjuring two. Annabelle Creation Annabelle sorry I, Annabelle Creation and then I would put Conjuring 3 3 then the nun yeah you gotta be very careful with that mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought I was gonna lose it if I put the nun in front of Conjuring 3 <laughs> if I put the nun in front of anything no. <laughs> the,
1: the nun has to be last yeah.
3: no I, okay. I quite like the nun so it's gonna come after Conjuring 3 and then I'll have maybe the other um, Annabelle comes home after that and then yeah. the last Annabelle the, 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 the original animal. Annabelle, yeah, like put
1: yeah. that last. Yeah. I hear, yeah, the original Annabelle is no good.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, it's it's it was the first spin spin-off. It's an attempt, but I think just the other ones did a better job.
2: Mine is similar. So obviously, Conjuring one and then Conjuring two, and then Annabelle creation. Annabelle creation is quite an underrated one. Um, it's directed by David F. Sandberg, who also made Shazam, Shazam. which is also a good movie. But yeah. yeah, that's a that's an underrated one. And then probably probably this one, probably Conjuring three. And then I'll go with Curse of La Llorona, for those of you who haven't seen it. I thought that was pretty good. Then probably Annabelle Comes Home, then The Nun, then Annabelle.
3: i got to check out The Curse then. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's a short film. It's like a 90-minute film. Nice. It's, it's, I can it, knock it out. Yeah, it's, it's not a big one. It's got Hawkeye's Wife in it.
3: Oh, yeah, she's also in another Netflix series, um, mm. wonderful series, with Christina Applegate. I know the one. You're Dead talking to about. me. Dead to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. watch that series if you haven't. That's an amazing mm. series.
2: Uh, yeah. No, she's good. That's a yeah. That's not a bad one. If you haven't, if you haven't seen any of these movies, um, obviously watch, watch the Conjuring ones. But that, yeah, um, Kesselrayer and it's not too bad. And Annabelle Creation is one I recommend.
3: Yeah, I, I would actually recommend if you haven't seen the Conjuring films at all, watch Conjuring One as a group. Yeah. It's a fun watch. It's yeah, actually good. Yeah. It's it's like you. It was made for that. Like, did you see what I saw? It's like. Is that right? Like it's like made to kind of verify next to you, and um it, and yeah, Hannibal- it's
1: genuinely scary. Yeah, oh, if you want, yeah. if you want a genuinely scary film, watch that. Oh, if yeah. you want a genuinely shit film, watch the nun. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you if you have any like conservative <laughs>
3: Christian Catholics in your friend group, bring them to the nun. Yeah. If you have any people who are really affected by jump scares, bring them. Sorry. Other way around, if you have any conservative Catholics, bring them to watch Conjuring 1. Any people who are like- uh, Affected by jump jump scares, scares, bring them to to to
4: to to none. none.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That will will increase your uh, viewing experience.
1: (laughs) When people ask me for a horror movie recommendation that is genuinely scary, I always say Conjuring. Because I think it's the most scary horror film, for me at least.
2: I haven't seen this movie, but Hereditary apparently-
1: I hear Hereditary is just- Creepy, not scary.
2: I haven't seen it, um, yeah, but I haven't yeah, seen either. Yeah. I've yeah. heard that one is quite
1: a, a creepy one. I think Which, it's uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable to watch. Okay. Her- yeah. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. With um Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Yeah. yeah. I've seen certain scenes from it, and it's pretty uncomfortable. Okay. Interesting. If yeah. you
3: guys want to see uh this, that's the film I mentioned about the um one person saying it's the scariest scene he's seen in a horror film. Kaido? Japanese horror. Okay. It's not like the ring level horror it's very subtle but it's spooky mm it's just spooky and and the it, it's a, it's a it's a horror film by um kurosawa that's right of course kurosawa film so kurosawa's the um Kiyoshi esteemed uh, yeah. filmmaker who does who did oh, all Oh so the-
1: this is an old movie
3: 2001 yeah 2001 yeah but he, he, well, it's he
1: kurosawa he, alive in 2001 so it's he, i think yeah. it's written let me go into this i think it's written <laughs> by him He's the guy that made the original, like, his, his movies made rise to Star Wars, Spaghetti Westerns. So, he's
3: Akira Kurosawa's uh, son, I believe.
1: Oh, is his son. Okay, not K- the original Kiyoshi guy. Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Okay. Yeah. Because Akira Kurosawa, he made, I forget what the movie is called, but- it's basically what Star Wars is based off. Okay. No, no, so yeah. he's,
3: he's not related to Akira Kurosawa.
1: He's but, not related but, to him at all. But, but I think okay. it's a namesake. I think okay, a namesake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's so. got nothing to do with the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt.
5: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
4: Akira, no, that was,
3: that was my confusion. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I remember seeing Kurosawa and I yeah. thought, oh, that must be him. And when I saw yeah. it, it felt like the 80s. So I thought, okay, maybe 50, 80s, he could have done it. But nah. But um, yeah, Cairo, go watch that film. It's, it's probably a really good watch. Nice and, um, sl- it's a slow burn.
2: Well, I guess we'll jump into some spoilers now. So if you haven't seen Conjuring 3 or Conjuring Devil, not meant to call it that actually. Conjuring Devil made me do it because it's not officially Conjuring 3. Yeah, uh, we'll get sued. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch it and come back to this point and listen to our spoilers. All right, so we can start with the beginning of the film, which is, like we said, it's kind of like the end of the other films. It's an exorcism with this little kid, the little kid being uh, the, son, the son of... Wanda in WandaVision. And, yeah. Uh, oh, dude. Yeah, and also he was in Haunting of Hill House as well. Damn yeah. good actor as a kid. He's really good. Uh, I feel like they should have anything with the kids, like creepy stuff with kids, that always it's freaks me out. In the actual case files itself, they say that when David actually had the demons in him, he used to like recite random things in Latin and and things like that, and he would he would sometimes get this really hoarse voice. And do some very strange things and they could have explored that a bit more. Yeah. That that could have straight
3: out of the conjuring playbook. Like if you go to the first one, Maurice was doing that. And it's like that's the exact rule set of demonic possession. They could have showed more of that. I absolutely agree. And there was also stories about how he the first time he encountered the demon wasn't actually like a possession. It was just a an old man man telling him in the house when they moved in. Get away from my house. If you if you stay, I will I'll, I'll I'll trouble you. It's something ominous, right? And then the next time he was playing outside, he went to a well, looked down a well, and he saw a face. That's when it started. Like that. That's so much more. Like, actually, the real story was ominous. Yeah, I thought they could have just pulled from that and actually built upon it, but that wouldn't have worked if they wanted to jump straight into it.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. And what they do is they jump straight into it, but then they come back and revisit how he actually got the, the demon in him. And it's, it's certainly a short sequence with the waterbed, um, which is- Which is a well of sorts, I guess. Yes.
4: It's got, it has water. <laughs> that is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the, the,
2: water, the waterbed is in the actual case, though. I think there is a section where he. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there was there was yeah. a case, and then I realized. Yeah.
3: Well, the, I think the reason why they focused on the waterbed was to then go off the idea of the mold and then something underneath the house. Yeah, yeah. If and they did that, the well, yeah. if they did the real the real story of like all oh, the outside elements and the whole house was haunted. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. have explored this other dimension they wanted to add to it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, just um, the, yeah. I was, everything, everything was a conscious choice.
2: Yes. Yes. So, well, what we find out is that below this waterbed or below this room. There was some sort of what is it
1: like? <laughs> satanic device? Yeah, it's,
3: it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's a Wiccan, it's a Wiccan artifact that's composed of multiple bone segments, and it's like witchcraft, basically.
2: At the beginning, you have this exorcism. You find out that you find out in the very beginning that Arnie gets basically asked the demon to leave David and take him instead. It happens. You watch it happen. There's no mystery involved in that at all. Uh, and then it cuts to The Conjuring, you know, how it has the the usual Conjuring titles, how it has some sort of expository information, and then it shows the title, and then we jump into the movie. Ed has a heart attack in the very first sequence, and he, he's sort of in the hospital for the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, I think. They kind of switch with, between him and the actual uh, what's happening with Arnie. So does all this happen within one day? Is that... Because I, I, I had to pop out for a little bit, but w- was all this happening in like the space of a day? No,
1: no, I think yeah. it's a longer period.
3: Yeah, it's a bit longer period, and the span of time of that possession, they're moving out, is actually a couple of months. I think.
1: Okay,
2: so Ed was in the hospital for quite
3: some time.
1: I think, yeah, yeah. it's think, not specified specifically, but I think he is. Yeah, I, I, yeah.
3: I think in, in in the real life story, it was a couple of months. In the movie, but like if he was in hospital, it would maybe, maybe like a week a or week. something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some some period of time. Yeah. but I uh, know also the, the reason why he got the heart attack it, in the film. It didn't make it seem like it was organic. Like Ed's been eating too many che- Cheetos and it's oh, like, Oh, he's got like the, a heart the attack. devil's like the, the devil. Yeah. Jumps on him and he's yeah. like, your heart's gonna fail, old man. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what yeah. Like, was, since when? Since when was the devil a coronary specialist? Like <laughs> cholesterol. <laughs> in <the veins> of- <laughs> what? A, what a specific. You just performed an angiogram yeah. at, that, at that stage. What, what, a, what? a very specific ailment to give someone. Like you're gonna have an aneurysm, you old fuck. Like. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: And it's like, okay, I, we get it. It's his natural. I- his health is declining, and maybe. The dude made him vulnerable? Yeah and saw what wouldn't was
1: it, kill wouldn't him? have made more sense if he got like scared enough that he had a heart attack? I felt like that would have been more organic than the devil saying, "I'm gonna give you a heart attack, <laughs> I'm gonna increase your cholesterol levels."
3: <laughs> Can't believe it's not better. Well, it always was. I just <laughs> twisted it around. It's just like, <laughs> that's uh, I, I think that was that was a that was a choice. To, again, take it away and put that supernatural element. Of, if something goes wrong, it's probably because of the devil. And yep. the, the formula that I've noticed is if there's anything that in the real life story, you could say, oh, that's probably the cause of it. In the Conjuring universe, it's, it's shown as a symptom of, yeah. my, of possession. So like alcoholism or or like bad health or something, it's like, oh, you're being possessed or you've had an effect as a result of something evil. This is a clever technique. It just uses the same elements and says, well, the cause and effect is switched. That does set Ed on a very, like his the whole movie, this became a distraction for me. Like his health. Like, that was his crutch, and that was uh, – he couldn't become – he wasn't a useful member anymore. He wasn't – like, his whole role in the first two was he was investigative. He actually had semi
2: – He'd do most of the, like, like exos- dirty work. Like, he'd, he'd get out there and –
3: like yeah. Yeah. he'd recite Latin and have, yeah. have like, the crutch and the, actually ward off powers. It's a yeah.
1: Charles Xavier symptom. So yeah. do you guys know – Charles Xavier in every single movie, at <laughs> close to the beginning, he gets hamstrung in some way. Either he goes into a coma, his powers get taken away – or something, because if he powerful. was at full health, yeah, then the scenario would be finished straight away. Because he's too powerful, yeah. So essentially, they had to charge Xavier and, and and Warren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And
3: they did that for conjuring too.
1: Yeah. In, yeah, with his eyesight. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah
2: that's right. Which is yeah. which is
3: effective because you, you were already told the, pre- the premonition is going to die. So by doing that, it was effective. I thought that was really clever use. They tried to pull that again this time, but with a slightly more weaker effect. Like Mm. oh, he might forget his pills and die. It's like what the fuck? That's
1: how you. It's it's like such a mundane, like in this supernatural world. It's such a mundane thing to be like scared of, like forgetting to take your pill.
3: And I, 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 I don't know. I the whole time I was like, was this inspired off of real life? Did actually maybe it is a real
1: life. Yeah, did
3: did that fat fuck die, like, what, what <laughs> like, from running through a case? I'm like, no, that's not what happened. He, he died in 2006, so why did they put this in there? And it's like, yeah. I think it was just to, the element of fear to, to get the audience to be like, oh, maybe he could actually, you know, something could happen to him. Yeah, they need
2: to. In the second one, it was much more deadly because Lorraine has that vision of him falling on a spike and dying and Valak being part of it all, right? She has yeah, that yeah. vision.
3: And, and, and yeah. that seed is planted in Conjuring 1 where it's like there's only one... Case she doesn't want to talk about, that's just put there. They don't talk about it again, and then conjuring two, it's like it's the it's that's that the whole case. thing is, was yeah. him dying, and then it's like oh okay, that's that's pretty heavy. She doesn't want to talk about it, so that was done well. This yeah, I I felt yeah. like they didn't they actually didn't need any of that for this one. To be honest, they could have just made Ed just the complete- could have been full <laughs> health Ed, yeah. like not
1: much changes, yeah. full
3: health, and just be the the the, the max him out. do whatever he can yeah. uh, to the full of his capacity. At least then you kind of show well. As a as a as a last run, he did all he could. Yeah. And you know, either he, he and at the end of the day he did end up help defeat a lot of the
1: I think that that's the thing though. They would have hamstrung them in every movie, something happens to one of them yeah, and yeah. they're not at full strength because it's like, oh, when they're at full strength they can handle whatever.
2: Well, to be honest, I think the stronger of the two is actually Lorraine. So yeah. if they're gonna hamstring string someone, it should be her. Yeah. She's yeah. she's the one that has most of the powers. That um, is true. And in this she doesn't really too much. Yeah, like I thought I thought she would have had some so I mean we can sort of get back to this later but the, the antagonist of this movie I thought there'd be a bit more of a fight between them too. It feels like she just gives up. Like she just she doesn't want to really fight this other entity, this other person.
3: The moment she identifies who she, who it is, that once the connection is is bridged then it's like it's a two-way street it's like oh shit it's, it's, it's she's it's got essentially the same, um, she's got it's it's like the she's found the equal finally that's right someone who yeah. can channel through her and she realizes if i am vulnerable to this person it's not worth it and it's like okay i can't engage this person head on i can't scratch them or give them a fucking heart attack so and you know, i have to i have to protect what right i can away. <laughs> or or take away the the source of her power which is the
2: the table of yeah. witchcraft. So it's like okay. What that connection remind me of is essential it's essentially Harry and Voldemort connection. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah yeah the whole the whole uh,
3: if I can look into him but he can She look needed me. to learn occlumency. <laughs> <Yeah>. occlumency. <laughs> <laughs> she needs Snape to, yeah. to come and teach her occlumency. Oh yeah, she needs she needs uh Vera cousin in the NUN to come back and teach her occlumency. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. No, yeah. that's actually that's a good metaphor for it. it's like well yeah, if if that's the case you can't do anything. You can't actually f- fight in any way. Well, she did do that one power of Christ compels you or whatever and she just zooms right into the zoo- into the room. I was like, okay, all right. That's the first time we've seen her do some uh, actual incantations in a while. But I think they're kind of slowly pulling away. They're not they're relying trying on that to kind of stuff anymore.
1: Grounded in reality as much as possible, I guess, trying, well, even though it's about demons, but trying to yes. make it as real as possible. Yeah, I'm not surprised, a- I'm surprised Ed
3: didn't do more of that because he was all about that in number one and two. Like putting the cross up and, you know. You yeah, yeah, do much the, in this, yeah. You know, the lines. The yeah. iconic line, you know. Something like Ronnie Retro Satana or something. Like go back to demon. And like He could have just said that to the, to the fat demon. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think he was oh, trying yes. to. Yeah. The, yeah. Fat, <laughs> the, the fat demon. <laughs> we'll talk
2: yeah. about that, that yeah. one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, de- I don't know. If it was, was that a demon or was that a it's body?
2: Like a, or uh, a
3: reanimated Necro. Is it necromancy?
2: Left for Dead has a good, a bloater. They call them bloaters. Um, but you were saying there was a. Slight reference to The Exorcist in the very beginning Ah, of the film. Yes, 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 yes. yes. there is. So
3: the opening shot of the scene when the priest comes in and he's just standing outside the house on the corner. If you go just type in The Exorcist and look at the poster work, it's a clear reference to the artwork and cinematography done just for that opening scene. Yes. And there's a lamp in The Exorcist. It's like a curved bell lamp that the priest comes in and he just looks up at the lamp. And in this one, it's in the background if you look at it. So I think it's a hallmark to that movie which is funny because I thought the conjuring 1 was actually like a love letter to the exorcist that was that was the def, that was the defining kind of well here's our here's our attempt at writing something like the exorcist whereas the conjuring 3 wasn't so much like the exorcist it was just like an art piece
1: commemorating it I guess it's got elements of it but it's not
2: okay so we can talk about this other character we we haven't actually even mentioned him um John Noble who's it's like this there's always this character where they they're like a point of contact because they're an expert in this particular domain that Ed and Lorraine Warren are looking at. So they go meet this character and he seems a bit dodgy from the very beginning, to be honest. And then you find out there's something a little bit more sinister about him. And he actually knew what was – he essentially knew what was happening and he didn't tell them. So, yeah, that was that was an interesting – he added to the movie, I guess, in a way. <laughs> I just found him a bit funny.
1: Yeah, he yeah. – he was in this.
3: <laughs> it's always nice seeing someone you recognise, like yeah. you don't expect to
1: see. He's got a very uh, sinister face.
3: <laughs> so I, yeah. I honestly thought he was possessed. Yeah. I was Yeah, I've yeah. Seen, yeah. Not, not from the way he smiled. It's just that forlorn look of defeat. It looked like he was already possessed. And it was just that actually re- he, re- he sold his character really well.
2: They could have done something pretty interesting with him, actually, if, you know, maybe he was possessed and... He was helping his daughter made him possessed. So he was helping his daughter the whole time.
3: It, there's one element of the conjuring which they have not yet explored, which I would have loved to have seen. It's someone who relishes from the possession. Yeah. Who's actually who's actually like, I'm I'm comfortable with this. Right. Likes the possession. Likes yeah. possession. And yeah. and is so good at it that no one can detect it. That would have been really cool. But you you had something interesting to say about the choice of Of dialogue that John Noble had, like the particular style, it was always creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, he has like no social cues. He's he's just (laughs) like, who talks like this?
2: (laughs) He's always like, I need to show you something. Yeah. And he doesn't say what it is. He's like, you have to follow him into his basement. Yeah. And all the lights are off for some reason. Like, he doesn't turn the lights on for him to. And that's a thing
1: in this whole movie as well. Like, Why do people just not turn the lights on? Like at one point in this movie, he's cleaning the floor in the prison and the lights are off. Who cleans the floor in a dark prison? Like what? Turn the lights on. Why is he? First off, everyone's sleeping. Why is he cleaning the floor at night when everyone's sleeping? And why are the lights off? And then same thing. They're in the motel at one point and the lights are all off. Just people sitting in dark rooms throughout this movie.
2: And that part where she follows him into the basement and yep. he doesn't turn the
3: lights
1: on. He doesn't on. turn the lights <laughs> on, yeah.
2: It seems <laughs> almost like they're
3: trying to follow a colour palette with the scenes, like yellow, black, or, yep. or dark, orange, black, incandescent black, yep. maybe purposefully. I don't know why, but you're right. Like there's <laughs> John character is just character. Like, he's just sitting there smiling and going, looks at the photo. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, I've seen this. There's a bunch downstairs. Let me show you. He's like. I need to show you something. <laughs> walks off the stage. And it's like, okay, we get the effect here. And then Verify Mega's like, I don't want to go
1: down there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude. I, I'm with you, but. <laughs> he's got a collection of that shit. Go and see it so you can verify <laughs> it. could have been a very straightforward concept. It could have been a very straightforward, yeah. I guess I got to build the tension some way. But I found it a little bit comedic. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I, that I, I can understand. That's really? like. There wasn't that many people in the theater, but I could feel that it was it was it was interesting. And the whole idea of him having all these um, witch, artifacts and witchcraft stuff, sort of artifacts. Yeah. There's that interesting line where he's like he's storing all of it, and, and, and Ed yes, yeah. Ed is like you shouldn't be storing all of these evil yeah, you should, artifacts. You should burn all of this. You should you burn like- all this. I'm like, excuse me, what the fuck are you doing, <laughs> Annabelle, and all these African and Japanese and random shit like in your basement yeah <laughs> and it's like well, bloody okay. hypocrite <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly i yeah. think they 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 consider they're scared of this one they're scared of the witchcraft stuff that are like yeah. it's like inviting demons to come as opposed to that which already was a vessel yeah. i don't think any of the artifacts there can summon demons they already were possessed that's the only difference i i think i think so isn't yeah. isn't the technical yeah like, yeah. like some some nerds going to come like actually technically witchcraft is going to summon the demon. Like, please don't come on and correct us. I don't <laughs> understand the law. <laughs> the filmmakers probably know more than us.
2: Yeah, so they, they basically take a detour from the Devil Made Me Do It case for a little bit because they go to this other town and there's this other case where two girls went into a forest and one of them killed the other and then the, the one that apparently committed the murder is missing and then Lorraine has to help the policeman find out what happened and kind of take that detour for a bit. Which was fine, I guess. It's just that they showed probably the most scary part of that sequence in the trailer where um, she almost runs off a cliff. They showed it in the trailer itself. So I, I knew that was coming and it wasn't really that impactful for me.
1: Yeah. I guess it was fine.
2: It was fine. Again, they try to build up the tension with Ed and his, his condition because he's trying to chase Vera Farm. He gets through the- uh, chase Lorraine through the, the forest and he can't keep up because of his- his heart, and then I don't know what the policeman was doing at this stage, he was, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, he probably could have caught up to her, but yeah. So basically she helps them uh, figure out something about this case, so she finds the that the devil made this other girl commit a murder as well, and that's linked to this other case that they're currently investigating. So they're, they're all linked in some way, and then she uncovers that there is one person that's actually a witch that's behind this and that's where we get to the main antagonist of the movie who happens to be, you find out later, is John Noble's daughter. There's just a bit of an exposition scene where he explains why she is so fascinated by this and how she got into this. He has this little book of photos with her and Lorraine kind of goes through it. And then he says he's, he has an interesting line. He's like, we shouldn't. We shouldn't let our children into our fascinations, or something like that.
3: We should, yeah, yeah, we we shouldn't indulge our children in the fascinations of, into the occult, yeah, or something like that. Like yeah. he kind of regrets uh, letting her in on all this knowledge because at some point she obviously was just taken over by it. Which is yeah, an interesting kind of. I, I I didn't see that kind of twist happening, and the way they the way they kind of reveal that is interesting. They do the whole map, and they go, "Well, we connect these two other murders of these two girls." By the way, which I just checked, I couldn't find any real life information if that was actually a real life murder mm. case or not. But they did all this investigative journalism stuff. They found the two girls and where they where they got their cursed, you know, um totem thing from. They find they triangulate an area in the map, and based on uh Lorraine's kind of feedback of oh,
2: it's below it a train I, it's, it's track or something. I, I,
3: I, yeah, the connection was. I heard dripping water below, underneath somewhere, muffled near a train. They use all that logic, and they said, "Well, there's only."
2: One place. There's only
3: one yeah. train track that goes by, and then suddenly Ed's like, "Oh crap!" And that's when he realizes, "Yeah, John Noble's house is there somewhere." So he runs, and then then you kind of get. I all thought that it was actually him. He was somehow like manifesting all this stuff, but it's interesting. They they, they bring that whole connection back back in.
2: Yeah, because I at that stage I thought he was the the main.
1: He was antagonist. in on
2: it. Yeah, but yeah. he he yeah. wasn't. Ed kind of rushes to to try to help Lorraine. Lorraine was just happens to already be there. And that's when we get to the climax. The climax was... Well, there's also this part where Ed is also possessed. So there, at one stage, they're like two things need to happen. A murder needs to happen and a suicide needs to
1: happen. And yeah. then like yeah. two <laughs> scenes after, it's like, no, three things have to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a murder, a suicide, and a killing of God's man or something? Yeah, a yeah. godly man. Yeah, yeah. a godly the, man. The
3: death of a... Oh, the possession of a child, the suicide... Sorry, no, the death of... The death of a child, suicide, and then the sacrifice of a godly man. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, crap, is that Ed again? And then you got these all like conjun 2 vibes like, is that meant to be Ed? Again he loses his vision again. Like it's yes, the yep. second time he loses his sight. But she blows she, she doesn't blows just blow face. Yeah, she doesn't just come and blow sand, it's something <laughs> she it's, blows, she like blows, sand. Yeah.
1: it's cocaine and he gets high. It's <laughs> some
3: it's just like some pepper and freaking like chili powder. <laughs> some powder. spices. Yeah. yeah.
1: Spice of life. Makes him see <laughs> what,
3: what does he see again? He sees uh
1: I think he he, he just sees he sees the witch.
3: No, I think
2: he sees doesn't he see
1: Lorraine? He's the fat guy.
3: Yeah, I know. He sees like, the fat like, through, guy. through his yeah. own vision, he's like surrounded by yeah images of her, the the, the fat bloater. Oh yeah, demon. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, He
1: thinks he's, he's killing the fat guy. Yeah, yeah. When, when but he's, he's killing yeah, yeah. Lorraine. Yeah. 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 yeah,
2: yeah, that's right. And the, and the the fat guy turns up at their house as well. It but it, it's it, not actually the
1: fat guy. It's just Lorraine. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah. similar to
3: the very first time he got kind of semi possessed and he was trying to cast out the demon and then it just came to and was doing it to Lorraine. Yeah, in his hand. Yeah,
2: yeah that's right. Yeah, that's that that was in their home. home. Yeah, yes, yeah, So yeah. it
3: was already semi kind of controlled. That just took him over the edge. But yeah, that that whole final act was uh, yeah. it was intense. Could have gone either way, but I think it was. It, we were we were a bit safe in knowing. Okay, he's not going to go and stab Lorraine. We you know he's not going to go. And yeah. Do anything.
2: You
1: dangerous.
3: knew
2: everything was going to be fine. Yeah, I knew
1: <laughs> them two would survive. The kid's probably going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he died anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really a horror. Sequence
2: like nice. there was no reason to be scared. Like, no. uh, yeah, it's, no, it's not like in the, the climax of the other two movies where the devil, the actual demon comes out. Like, Bathsheba's
1: out, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the nun is out. And as soon as he yeah. grabs the sledgehammer, you know, he's gonna hit the altar with it.
4: <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs>
2: so he hits the altar and then he destroys that. So he manages. St- uh, there's a little bit we haven't talked about, but there's a very small flashback sequence where Lorraine talks about. When she first met Ed, and I was wondering why they invested so much into the sequence, like they got like other actors and they filmed this whole little sequence, yeah, nineteen fifties yeah. sepia yeah.
3: tone, yeah, gazebo and like rose tinted glasses and thirteen dollar houses and like, <laughs>
2: yeah, I was like, why yeah. did they yeah. do so much? Well, it came back at the end, yeah. like I guess it kind of, <laughs> yeah, it sort of pays off at the end, but it probably, you know, they. They probably didn't need to film a whole different sequence for that. Like, no. even if she just said it, it would have been as effective, but doesn't matter. It comes back and he remembers when they first met and, you know, how much he loves her. It's all, it's all about love saves the day, essentially. That's, yeah, the, that was really, yeah. I, I, I was kind of like, <laughs> it just are, came I, out
3: of nowhere. Are <laughs> you <laughs> really going to say, like, love, love is what triumphs? And it's like, yep. is that, is that, are we going to last Jedi this thing? Was there,
1: <laughs> was there like a, because was there any like allusion to that prior to that scene? That love is what is going to save because it just, they just say it at the end. It's like, oh, she, yeah. Mm, they say it at the end. And yeah. There's no allusion to it. They do yeah.
3: something like that in Conjuring One, yeah. where she's about to stab her kid and she just says, remember, remember the memory
2: of being the of mother of being in the yeah. beach,
3: like just, just, yeah. just being the mother. And that was much more wholesome because it's like organic, right? Just remember the light. And that was much more to do with like a div- divinity versus evil. Yeah. And in this one, it was like,
1: it seemed a bit contrived. Just yeah. like, it, it made sense, but it's also like, Where did that come from? She she meant to have said
3: uh, family is what matters most. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) like that word could have been interchanged to anything at that point and it would have been fine. Yeah, Yeah, it could have been anything. Sledgehammers is what she fears most. (laughs) (laughs) Sledgehammers save the day. Well, because they're
2: they're trying to do this whole parallel because at the same time, Arnie is essentially committing suicide and this is the whole parallel. So they're trying to say him and his girlfriend, the love triumphs there. Yeah. Lorraine and Ed, the love triumphs here. So that was the whole parallel
1: thing. But I, okay, whatever.
2: It, like, it wasn't
1: a... It didn't it, distract from the movie, yeah. but it's also like, yeah, that did elevate the material at all. Yeah, I think yeah. it
3: violated that one rule, show, don't tell. Yeah. Show, show yeah. don't tell. Do- if, you, if, you, if you use the word... you got to use the word love very sparingly in films like this. Yes. you got yeah. you got to be like, just show... That good memory. That's enough. That's enough for him to remember like something pure.
1: There's actually many parallels with Harry Potter in this movie. Yes, <laughs> love, love defeats love evil. Love defeats evil.
3: Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. the <laughs> scene in the freaking Room of Requirement where Ginny takes the book and no, 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 no.
1: no just overall All like you need is love. If, uh, yeah. bitch, give me that book. Like, <laughs> it's got second temporary It's useful shit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So I just harry potter diversion
1: (laughs) Well I guess uh, Well the whole thing The whole thing about harry potter How saves harry Well his mum's love saves him Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, it was a blood.
3: It was a blood oath. That's what I actually saved It was old magic. as Voldemort says yeah. old
4: magic. I didn't see it.
3: But
1: but then at the end, Dumbledore was like, but he doesn't believe in love. That's why you'll win anyway. That's uh, yeah. That's kind of
3: dude. You fucking raised a kid t- to the slaughter. What do you know
1: about
3: love? <laughs> Dumbledore would lecture anyone about love. That's just my own issues with Dumbledore.
2: We? <laughs> <laughs> not, Maybe we'll yeah. we should have another deeper discussion oh. on Harry Potter
1: at some stage. Deep dive into Harry Potter.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh. We haven't done any. Oh, we, we did Crimes of Grindelwald, but we haven't done yeah. any yeah. Harry Potter movies. We'll, we'll do that at some stage. Um, that was a segue and a half. Damn. Yes. <laughs> the altar it. is is broken, and then uh, there, there's this other very short scene where the antagonist turns up. What you don't even know it, this person's name, do you? It's just. No, it's Lola. Lola. Oh, yeah, it's a Lola. Yeah. yeah. On,
1: the, on the picture. Lola.
2: Okay. So Lola turns up and then, uh, Ed is like, you promise that you'll sacrifice something for the, for the, devil and you haven't done it so you're gonna have to sacrifice yeah it's funny soul. how he explains what's <laughs>
1: happening to her it's like yeah so you're gonna die now because you you said you would give them the soul but you know you didn't give them the soul so they're gonna take your, your soul now yeah. she probably knows this it's like you don't need to tell her that she knows man yeah.
2: yeah and then she dies and yeah and that's that and they escape and he's like oh i forgot my after all this like if if he hadn't taken his tablet, surely all this trauma would have caused something, right? Yeah, he he gets sure. through it. So yeah. I think he's he's fine. And he's like, oh, I haven't brought my tablet. And she yeah. happens to have one in
1: her. She's in like, her. it's all right. The dust had the tablet in it. The dust, <laughs> <laughs> the dust was a mixture of the tablet. You just ground it up for you. Yeah. Yeah. you just inhaled Easy access. It.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just realized it, that could have just been Lorraine's character progression from Conjuring 2 of not being able to control... Like keeping it safe, not being able to control that. I yeah. think that now she's taking it into it in her own hands. Is like making sure that she's she, there at every step. But it's,
1: also, he's a grown man. He should be taking his own tablets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, it's the yeah. time he forgets it. Right? Yeah, just,
1: I know, yeah. right? It's not that hard to take your tablet.
3: <laughs> there was one potential story when he, when you're watching a movie. Sometimes you see something. And, oh crap! Are they going? Are they going in this direction? Is that what they're going to do? There was one possible thread that it didn't happen, but I thought it'd be really cool if they did. So it's not well. It's not that well known. After this case, Ed and Lorraine Warren's life basically went to shit. You know, all the people pulled them apart for their, you know, their, their storytelling. They're not. They're just doing this for the money, all that kind of stuff. I thought it'd be cool if they were going to glorify these guys. Then why not just do the full Monty and say that this witch put a curse on them, so that the whole life they're just going to be completely beset with like misfortune, people calling them liars, all that kind of stuff. And that's like the ending of that glorification. It's like the curse that was
2: put on them. I
3: thought that could go in that direction, but that's still kind of justifying their
2: behaviour. And that closes the uh, the possibility of them doing more movies. They can't
1: do a sequel. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. they had to. Yeah, leave it a bit open ended so they can do another one at some stage. There is a bit of an you you kind of got to stay away from the real life stories a little bit to. Keep the illusions of these movies, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, think, it breaks it. Yeah.
3: I think this is the closest I ever want to get to like real life
1: connections. Yeah. I don't want to read. I don't want to read into the Warrens anymore.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm not going to do that next time. I'm just yeah. going to like. It was useful this time just to kind of feel like okay, I'm up. I'm up yeah. with the facts and I know exactly what's going on. Next time, yeah, just immerse yourself. Werewolf story. What did you say? Oh,
1: cool. Let's just jump let's in. Let's, let's just jump, jump in. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If we didn't, if we didn't know about the actual Warrens and this was completely fictional, to be honest, if they just did. Call them something else. Just two two people that the look, Patels, yeah, the Patels, yeah. yeah. Vera Farmiga and, and Patrick Wilson as the Patels. Yeah, I would have still bought it. Like the the main yeah. reason I like these movies are because of these two. I think they do a really good job. Like I said at the very beginning as well. And that last scene, even though I didn't really buy this flashback thing that they did, the last scene where he builds this little gazebo for her and they they have a little moment, I still really like that. I thought that was a good ending to the to the film. That was nice. Yeah.
3: Brought a full circle. And it was a genuine time where I saw Vera Farmiga actually like genuine good surprise as opposed to horrified surprise, which is it was good. It's good. That's a nice touching moment,
1: actually. Yeah. Do you think Patrick Wilson should have gotten fat for this movie to make it more realistic? (laughs) You looked a little bit too. He fit. looks way too fit to have yeah. a big guy have a had a heart attack. attack. Yeah. They were purposefully
3: <laughs> I, I could I can tell when the costume department's trying to do that, they were purposefully making him wear like oversized shirts. Yeah, and yeah. cardigans, like just to show that size coming out. Yeah. He uh, still looked too fit. A special mention to Shannon Cook as well. He's he's a lot he's there a lot in this film. Drew. Yes. yes. Drew. yes. Drew. He Drew. he brought yeah. that kind of familiarity back. I'm like, oh this it's good seeing him around. You know, yeah. it's nice. Yeah. yeah, I love seeing him. I don't
1: him. like it when they exclude him. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't the only one in their team though, right? Didn't they have some other guys as well? Don't they have one guy recording and one guy on the camera? I think they got, yeah, they got a couple guys.
3: I'm guessing as, okay, that was in the 70s, right? In the 80s, I think everything, like home video recording became one, sound and video, and everything got smaller, so just one person can take care of it maybe.
2: They sacked the other two guys. (laughs) (laughs) Downsizing. We didn't mention the other actors, but I thought, I thought all the actors were fine in this. Like the um, the guy who played Arnie, his name's Ruari O'Connor. He's, I think he's Irish. I'm probably pronouncing his his first name wrong. It's R U A I R I. Rory. Yeah. Or maybe it's Rory. 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 Yeah. Rory O'Connor. He was. I thought he was. For what he had, he was fine. Irish. Yeah.
3: Rory O'Connor, fucking son of a bitch. Right. Bloody good shot that was.
2: Uh, and Sarah Catherine Hook, who, who was Debbie, was also... Oh, she was really good, yeah. It was fine. Yeah, it was good. Uh, and they end with the usual Conjuring exposition, I guess. Like, this is what happened five years later. He was, uh, he went to jail for five years, so on, so on. And then they end and that's mm. that's that. And then they, they don't have, have s- as many pictures of this one as the other one. They don't. Yeah, they did yeah. have a recording, which is not... I mean, all, all the recordings aren't great recording, just because when they were recorded. But there was a recording of the... Was it the exorcism it's of the original
4: David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had
2: a recording of that. They had the usual photos of the original Warrens and like the original people and the actors. So that was that was good as well. They always do that. No post credit scene. That was it. So overall, it was fine. Like 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 we said, it's yeah. it's got it's got issues with it, but um, it's probably worth a watch once. Yeah, it's it's a conjuring
3: yeah. film through and through. Got the characters. It's got the references. Uh, there's uh, there's things I did well. Things they could have worked on, and I think, I think it's worth a second watch down the line.
2: If you're doing a Conjuring Universe binge, you would still watch this one. Like this wouldn't be one that you skip. I think you'd still watch this mm. one
3: just because I know they always love to put in details, like little hidden details here and there. Be interesting to see if they have anything there. Like I was thinking, the gazebo is some kind of pentagram or something like <laughs> They walked yeah. in there and something happened. Like, nah, it's actually it's like oct- octagonal, but maybe there's some detail there. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's always good to have a universe that's fleshed out, that they can actually feel comfortable to do something new. This is new. I like the fact that they brought in a human antagonist to make it so they like, oh, okay, well, that is that can also be quite formidable, quite scary, uh, as opposed to making it like another demon and just focusing on the demon again, which if, I'll be honest, if they did the demon route, but they just focused Maybe on it would demon. have
1: been too repetitive. And yeah. yeah. People would have been like, yeah. is it just conjuring same two, thing. conjuring yeah. one, same
3: thing? So yeah. I think we would have criticized it for that heavily yeah. if it was yeah. just another demon. Doing this differently, yeah, it's fresh. We've got to give them credit for credit's too.
1: Yeah, they tried something new, which is always better than just redoing what's worked in the past. Well, I think that werewolf thing would have been uh might
2: have been interesting. Might not have necessarily oh, yeah. been a devil. Like, might have been something else. That story has a lot
4: of
3: potential for like just going into even in, going into different lore as well. Because werewolf is a, is a much more it's a different it's a different type of thing. Werewolves yeah. and that that goes into vampires as well. If you look yeah. at the actual history of of that myth that mythology, yeah. that mythos, the lycans, their their um, arc tropes So yeah, if they do that, that would be the perfect kind of like Ed and Lorraine kind of go into a different universe kind of thing. And that's, that's how you flesh out a series. You kind of put them in different different scenarios.
1: Different kind of uh, threat.
3: Yeah. Heck, I wouldn't even mind if Drew just took over the show and he's just like, he's the new investigator now, the paranormal investigator going around.
2: Well, there's a couple of routes they can, like, they can have spin-off characters like that or yeah. they could, uh, obviously, they've got a daughter who has, we already established in Annabelle Comes Home that she has some sort of power as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 Judith. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another that's another route that they can take potentially still.
3: That is, yep. And yeah. Are they still doing the other spin-offs? The uh
2: I think they're still in development, so they're still planning to do the Crooked Man.
3: The Crooked Man, that's the one.
2: Yeah. And there apparently still is a nun sequel. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
3: Interesting. I wonder what they could do with that. Either it comes back or it's still living
2: or they actually go to the origin story which they don't really talk about in that non-movie the oh, actual the, origin, the or actual oh, origin yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah
3: okay that'd be interesting or the, yeah. or the origin of the forms in, yeah I would love to see that like how it took how it got the forms that'd be interesting Demonology 101 there was a small homage paid to I felt the sixth sense oh, yeah. when he was saying you know when 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 I had to deal with them it gets cold and that's exactly what in M. Night Shyamalan's universe whenever you're near another human spirit or inhuman spirit, it gets cold. Remember that being in the original Exorcist? I feel like it's a bit of a kind of homage to different films, different kind of filmmaking f- genres. So, yeah, it's it's a work of labour, work of love. They, they went in, they, they kind of pulled in all of the horror uh, stereotypes and, and uh, lore and legends, tried to incorporate as much as they can. So, yeah, kudos to them.
2: It's not yet become a cash grab type of situation yet. Uh, I think they're still genuinely trying to do something, something good. I think that it's not, it's not got to the stage where they're just taking the audience for granted and, and uh, just doing whatever they want just for, mm. just for money. I think there's, there's still a story to be told. Yes, they're, yeah. they're trying their best. They're still doing good stuff with yeah. it.
3: And I think the trailer, they're much more sensible nowadays on the trailer stuff. So I was originally worried the trailer didn't look that, you know, scary. But I'm glad that they did that
2: because they actually didn't reveal any important scenes. Yeah. They chose something Apart from that relatively- Cliff one. The, yeah. The Cliff one, uh, they probably shouldn't have shown that. But maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, that yeah. one. The, the Cliff yeah. one,
3: I, the way I saw it was, oh, okay, just the first 10 minutes of the film has much more crap than the trailer did. So I'm glad they didn't show any of that stuff. Mm, that, that was good. Like they showed yeah. little snippets here and there, but yeah. like m- the majority of the film now, they're, they're not wasting it on just showing the best part in the trailer, which is good. I uh, We need more of that stuff there.
2: That's Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Hope you enjoyed our review. If people want to get in touch with us about their thoughts on the Conjuring universe in general, how do they go about it?
1: Uh, so they can email us at co- cognitive recalibration Podcast at gmail.com. I've done this before. I You've swear. done this yeah. 88 times, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Or on all other platforms at Cognitive Recalibration.
2: Yeah, and uh, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do it is to give us a review on iTunes because that makes us more discoverable on search engines. If you're a Spotify user, the way the algorithm works is just listen to our episodes. So just just listen to the end, and that uh, that kind of goes into their tracking, and that makes us more discoverable on their search engine. Apart from that, we do have a Buy Me a Coffee link where you can give us a one-off donation, which we'll use to further develop the podcast. There are uh, some developments we want to make to the podcast uh, some spin-off podcasts and uh, possibly a video podcast so uh, translation uh, translating this into a video podcast at some stage so any support we get would be would be good for that thanks baska for coming on again another great uh, every time we have you on i feel like it's a it just brings our podcast up a, another level it just makes us more credible <laughs> oh, thanks it's always a pleasure to be
3: especially for like the horror horror genre it's enjoyable it's always a fun time and yeah i think we we kind of Work. Our dynamic is really good when when we talk about something that is like really close to our hearts. Like conjuring was that one one time gathering where we all kind of just got together and watched it. Now it's like, well, yeah, let's let's actually you know flesh it out,
2: and we'll we'll get you back on at some stage. We will have to talk about Lord of the Rings at some stage. Mm. Oh wow! So uh, and we want to do justice to that because that's a something I. You know, grew up with something we grew up with, uh, Lord yep. of the Rings. So we this is
3: going to be his 20th anniversary. I just realized it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it is. And there's a Lord of the Rings
1: the TV series. TV series. Oh, coming War
3: out. of Rohirrim animated TV series.
1: No, no, the live action. Oh, one sorry, I'm dropping
3: the gun. The live action Amazon Prime one and the yeah. most recently announced anime I adaptation about of that. War of Rohirrim. Yeah, yeah, which was just announced at the Summer Games Fest. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, a lot, a lot of awesome news coming out.
2: So yeah. before before those any of those come out, we need to talk about Lord of the Rings. I, I recently started watching. They're on Netflix at the moment. Yep. Uh, the the original Lord of the Rings movies. I watch them. It's amazing that they're twenty years old. It's it, I can't believe that they're twenty years old when you watch them now. Yeah, they they look better than some of the movies coming out th- now.
3: They they yeah. have aged spectacularly well. And if yeah, it's it's all the credit to the decisions they made in m- making the films. That's the right thing to do at that time.
2: It's going to be hard to beat that series in terms of um how well they've aged. It's it's amazing and every everything like watching it now as a grown adult cuz when we watched it we were still kids watching it now as a grown adult just the uh the character dynamics like Aragorn and his rise like to becoming king and then Frodo's got his own story as well i really liked Aragorn and obviously his camaraderie with Legolas and Gimli as well something i i just really appreciate more this time around even more than when we watched it back then. Yeah. Um, and also uh, watching it brings back good memories of the game, <laughs> Return of the King. Oh, yes, uh, best yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 best game. Uh, <laughs> uh, the accompanying yeah, uh, to the motion picture. That was uh, – <laughs> uh, I can – just watching the movie, you know which levels that we did. Uh, there was one – what was that level where we just went that purely just to level up? So game.
1: Yeah, Southern
2: Gate.
3: gate Southern yeah, gate. gate. Yep. Yeah. Southern Gate, you,
1: you literally don't go you don't go through the gate. You kill everyone <laughs> first. Yeah, no, and the, then you go through the gate. The waves gate. just keep coming. You yeah. know, and you just yeah. get
3: the javelin and you throw it at that random schmuck like The, the, the troll. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. uh, yeah. that was yeah, that was a good days. I still remember yeah. you had to put the uh you had, you had a you had a desk fan. You had to put it against
2: your PC laptop,
3: your your, your PC box, just so the graphics card could handle cool down it, enough yeah. to, to run it like 30 frames a it. second. Yeah, oh, yeah how yeah. far we've come since then.
2: Yeah, Well, I need to play that game again. That's a that's a. It's back when movie related games were actually good. Like they don't even do movie related games now, do they? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. it was yeah.
3: actually when there was a demand for it. Yeah. It's like the tie-ins, right? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, like that was the system sells. They don't
1: do them anymore because um leaks. The stories are under wraps too much so yeah. if they need to make a game on a movie then they need to know the story of the movie to make the game yeah and then it's more chance of leaking happening so that's they, true or they else they, to, yeah
2: there would be a whole industry for mcu games like that yeah. that they, they would be next level yeah yeah
3: there is a really interesting study into going on like why square enix's avengers game has not done as well as it should have because it released at the perfect time and it's like it's Purely because that the cinematic experience now is is trans, is much bigger than the gaming experience, and that people don't necessarily want to just level the game along with the movie all the time. Mm. And that used that wasn't always the case. Like when we grew up, that was completely
2: different. Yeah, right? there was a game for every movie, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, yeah. and,
3: and I think the games were better because the films were so so well done that just being any any level of immersion into the, into that universe would just help you feel satisfied. I, m- I remember watching the Appendices, the Making Off series of that whole film series. And it's just even more magical when you sit down and watch it right after the film. So yeah, yeah that's gonna be a really interesting series. I yeah. don't know how many like that's gonna at least span a couple of episodes, right?
2: Oh, when we talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah we'll yeah. It'll be like at least at least three. I think we'll do three. We'll do one on each each of those uh each of the movies. Interesting. The fellowship yeah. to Return of the King. Yeah. We'll we'll yeah. we wanna do we wanna do that well. I
3: um, can't believe it's been twenty years, man. That's yeah. insane. I still remember sitting in the theater watching them.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings back then, and I remember watching the. First, I still really like. I know people say Fellowship is like maybe the weaker of the three. They're all amazing movies. I really like Fellowship just because they spend that first half an hour just setting things up. Like it's like a that whole Shire, how they have the the uh, celebration for Bilbo. That just that stuff. Yeah, itself so is like.
3: I, I'm in the same camp. I actually had never heard of Lord of the Rings. Until I saw the trailer when I was a kid, the super trailer, where it just showed, like, 2001, Fellowship, 2002, Two Towers. And I'm like, how are they planning these films to release consecutive year after year? And then I was fascinated Then I went to search, oh, J.R. Tolkien. All right, I know The Hobbit. Is this the sequel to The Hobbit? Yeah. Oh, crap. I have no idea what goes on in there. And just the the films were so otherworldly. I'd never seen anything like it, like the scene with the troll coming in and just – in, in in Moria. Yeah. And it's just like, this is insane. And I was like 10, 11. I don't know how old I was. 2001. 2001. So, we like, like 12.
2: 12, yeah. And it yeah. was just
3: like, that's the formative period where you're like, yeah. you're starting to get out there,
2: read more, watch more. And,
3: oh, that changed everything. I and think that's why Fellowship. I actually, I love Fellowship. I, I, really I love like Two Fellowship. Towers. Yeah. I love Return of the King. They each have a special place in my heart. Right?
2: And there's parts in, across all the movies, but especially in Fellowship as well, where it's like you're watching a painting. Like... They show – I'm going to get this wrong. You're going to have to correct me. Where Elrond lives? Rivendell. Rivendell. Rivendell, when they show a shot of Rivendell, it looks like a painting. It looks just so picturesque. Like, yeah. And do you know why?
3: Because Howard Shaw and Alan Lee actually drew matte paintings to accompany the background. So when they shot Frodo and they did that angle shot, what you're seeing is a combination of the actual set Actual CGI of the waterfall and actual matte painting artwork that it is actually artwork. Yeah. That looks realistic and they combined it with CG. So it's like everything is just done so perfectly. It doesn't look otherworldly or uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If it looks like a painting, it's because it was, yeah, it was crafted. That's still to this day. I think it's just a pinnacle of filmmaking.
1: We will save that's this. Our, that's our Fellowship of the Ring episode. <laughs> I cut, we'll, cut that, that one. Is one that, is, yeah. that is not even one percent. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, this is a short trailer for our Lord yeah. of the Rings episodes that are going to come at some stage. So, I guess we'll leave it there. So, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you're all staying safe. And uh, next week we got F9. So we'll see you, and we'll talk about a completely different type of movie to the ones we just <laughs> talked about in this, in this episode.
4: So yeah. Gotcha.